Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 11th of April, 2023. Happy, glorious, delicious, it's going to be a beautiful week here. I don't know where you live, but I hope it's nice. It's Tuesday. Don't forget, I'll do this really quickly. Don't forget about the uh, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com because there is uh, Sandra Day Day O'Connor seems to be the overwhelming choice amongst those looking to uh, win autographed books. But it's also Governor Mike Huckabee up there. Don't forget. Don't sleep on Mike, man. Don't sleep on those bass players. Anyway, check it out. Support the program. Enter the contest. Appreciate all of it. Now let's get started. There's a lot going on, a bunch of things to talk about uh, before we worry about anything else going on. So let us get started on that, shall we? It really is. One of those things where you're sitting there and you're going, how does this happen? How does this world come to be? And it's because you have a corrupt president. You really honestly have a corrupt president. If you really want to know what Democrats are up to, you just look at what they're accusing Republicans of and you usually square it. And suddenly it all becomes clear and everybody goes, oh, wait a second. That's right. We're the ones who are cor- Democrats are the ones who are corrupt. The... Uh, battle over tiktok remember the soul of america and the perversion tiktok if you are if your kid is on tiktok first of all smash their phone smash their phone can't put it in the toilet anymore and flush it because a it won't go down and b they're making these things waterproof or water resistant that it won't even really slow down remember when you dropped your phone in a pool or a urinal or whatever you had to, well, urinal, you probably gave up on it, but it, it, any thing of water, you get shoved into a pool and you didn't take your phone out of your pocket, what'd you have to do? You had to dunk your phone in a vat of white rice for like 24 hours or something like somehow that was allegedly to draw out the uh, the water. I never had to do that, thankfully, but... I've known people to do it. They had like a cup of ice that they, or a cup of rice that they set their phones in. Now you don't have to worry about that anymore. You go swimming with your phone, take pictures. They now, you can take pictures with most of them. Don't send me emails if you got an old phone. You killed my phone. I was, if you're going diving and you're taking your phone, that's on you. Figure it out. But we, uh, <laughs> Now the debate over phones is what you put on it. What you put, I will give Apple credit. I we only have their word to go with it that when you download an app, it says, "Hey, do you want this app to track you, or do you want to ask this app not to track you?" And like, why is that an op? Who goes? Yeah, you know what? Go ahead. Mine all of my. Uh, all of the information on my phone. Knock yourself out. Go ahead. Get all my contacts. Get all my uh, emails. Get everything you want from me just because I want to play this game with a ball rolling up a hill. Let's 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 do it. Who says, yeah, go ahead to that? But they allow you to opt out. How effective that is, I don't know. But And I'm sure that there are a whole bunch of... Because... Apple doesn't go through every line of code. I'm sure there are a bunch of apps out there that just go, yeah, that's neat that you don't want me to track, but we're going to do it anyway. But few apps are as nefarious as TikTok. TikTok. Not just because they're they're doing anything special. 
Not because they're doing anything unique. If you don't block these apps from tracking you and getting access to every one of your, uh, everything on your phone, they'll do it. There's only so much on your phone they can get. It's because they're doing it for the Chinese communist government. They're doing it for the largest force of evil outside the United States on the face of the earth. Of course, the largest force of evil in the world is in the United States. That's the Democratic Party. But that's beside the point. Outside of the United States is the Chinese Communist Party. And you would think that everybody inside the United States would not only understand that, but be united against it, at least in concept, pay lip service to it. But they aren't. Democrats are not interested in that. Democrats don't care about such things. It's rather bizarre when you really get down to it. You have a communist government that is in the act of committing what even the federal government describes as genocide against a portion of its population, and they have an app that deliberately targets young people that is... If your kids have TikTok, they are, their algorithm is suggesting trans videos to them. Trans, you're going to get a Dylan Mulvaney or some other weirdo who goes, you know what, it's perfectly normal. And uh, yeah, we should all do this. And you are whatever you are. And it's fun to be, and you get this perverted worldview. And this is, this is what's being suggested. Now in China, they don't suggest this stuff to their, ki- to their kids at all. In China, they suggest things that are, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, yeah, useful and productive. <laughs> things that have to do with education, things that have to do with common sense, things that have to do with the culture of the country and shine a positive light on the country. Now, granted, there's a better than average chance that if it were just Democrats, they do this. They don't, they don't view this country as having anything positive. And they like the collectivism of, of the Chinese communist government. So maybe that's why they don't care. But I think it's more likely that they don't care. Because the Biden family is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Chinese communist government. Now, it's one of many angel investors. Chinese communist government is one of many angel investors in Biden Incorporated. But they are still on the ground floor. They are an equity shareholder and an early investor. And so when there came a push, when they did congressional hearings and Democrats and Republicans were saying, what TikTok is doing is kind of a threat. It's compiling a database on every American who downloads this to their phone. And you might not care at age 15. What you have on your phone is innocuous by age 35 when you're entering public life or entering whatever, whatever, your professional career, whatever it is, at some point you might think, why all those pictures that uh, new, tasteful nudes, whatever it was that you put on your phone, those are things I don't really want out there. And suddenly the Chinese communist government has all of them archived, ready to go. Should you ever find, they're not going to bother somebody who's, you know, a roofer in St. Louis. They're not going to do it. But people will enter positions of power. People will or start companies or run companies that do business in China. And China will suddenly have the upper hand because it would be an awful shame if this information got out. Just putting aside the obvious political 
audience that's opening itself up for everything. Now, it could be different. Maybe the joke will end up being on the Chinese communists that you're sitting there and you're going, you know what, you've got all these nudes and all these sex tapes that I had on my phone of me. And uh, you know what, I'm thinking of running for government. I was going to release them. I was going to release them myself because in order, who knows, in 20 years, it may be a requirement that you have a sex tape or tasteful nudes or even untasteful nudes to run for office. The way we're going right now, you're going to have to be a trans person and transracial and transgender and trans everything in order to get any public support get any corporate support if the liberals have their way in the culture wars and republicans continue to fight these culture wars like morons so who knows the joke may end up being on them there's no point in having a whole bunch of blackmail material on somebody who's absolutely shameless and without a moral code and proud of it that's their brand. So we shall see. But it is interesting that the Biden administration, rather than expressing concern about this prospect, they are embracing TikTok. They are embracing these sorts of things. Axios has it because they need to reach young people. There aren't very many people in the country who view Joe Biden favorably. He has been underwater in his favorability ratings ever since his disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan and has never even come close to being above water. So they need to try to get young people, dumb people. Young and dumb do go hand in hand. Not every young person is dumb, but most dumb people are young because with age comes wisdom. Some people acquire it earlier, but most don't. Experience is the greatest teacher, especially now in the education system is in the toilet. So they're reaching out to the only people who might still believe the garbage that they're spewing. The people who have not witnessed in other countries the failures of socialism, the failures and the downright evil nature of their policies and the destructive nature of their policies. That's who they're trying to reach. That's right. That's what they're trying to do. They're using TikTok and other things to do it. Axios. President Biden's not yet official bid for re-election will lean on hundreds of social media influencers who will tout Biden's record as soon as uh, and soon may have their own briefing room at the White House, Axios has learned. So yes, the Dylan Mulvaney's, I'm a girl, oh, let's celebrate that. They might have their own briefing room at the White House. He will not talk to and do a sit-down interview with anybody at Fox, no matter how squishy or soft the interview would ultimately be. They will not do it. But they'll sit down with a trans activist. They'll sit down with uh, anybody you want who is a left-wing moron with an IQ just slightly higher than their shoe size. And I'm talking about the American shoe size, not the weird European model that puts it into the 40s. I'm talking about the teens and the single digits. The move aims to boost Biden's standing among young voters who are critical to Democrats' success in elections. See, you've got to hook them while they're young. Get them while they're dumb. Become a part of their routine so that when they're older, they're not not thinking. They go, well, I've always voted for Democrats, so I'm going to continue to vote for Democrats, which I suspect is where the vast majority of Democrat voters 
come from. Because if you think a union worker anywhere, except for maybe the newspaper guild, as an adult really genuinely sits around and thinks, I really, I really want children's genitals to be butchered surgically and I want to pay for it with my tax dollars. If you really think that's going to fly with union workers, you are living on another planet. It's that people aren't being informed about that by the local news and the nightly newscasts. They use Orwellian terms like gender-affirming care rather than sexual mutilation. Remember, it wasn't all that long ago when female circumcision was looked at for the horror that it is. And large swaths of the uh, Muslim world were condemned for embracing it. And now the Democratic Party embraces it. But it's under a different name. It's under gender-affirming care. Yeah, uh, and potentially counter former President Donald Trump's massive social media following if he's the GOP nominee in 2024. Biden's digital strategy team will connect with influencers across the nation and target those who may not follow the White House or Democratic Party on social media or who have turned out mainstream me- t- tuned out mainstream media altogether. Four Biden digital staffers are focused on influencers and independent content creators. The staffers officially work for the White House, not Biden campaign, but reaching young and suburban voters is a clear priority. See, they're reaching out to the people who are like Dylan Mulvaney, who have no scruples, no morals, no. They are whores for money. Michael Steele is on uh, TikTok. He'll get the call, too. He'll get tapped. It's, okay, you want me to sell what? I will do. Do you really think Dylan Mulvaney, and we have more on this, drinks beer? And if Dylan Mulvaney drinks beer, do you think Dylan Mulvaney drinks Bud Light? Watch the video of little Dylan as he sits there and sips that Bud Light after they paid him $100,000. Look at the look on his face. It's probably more disgust when he takes that sip of a freshly opened can of Bud Light than the thought of seeing a naked woman. But you know what? For the money, you got to see what's on the cutting room floor where he probably spit it out a couple of times. Uh, Young voters age 18 to 29 preferred Biden over Trump by a 26-point margin in 2020 and Democrats over Republicans by 28 points in the 2022 midterm. See, like I told you. It's getting them while they're young, getting them while they're dumb, getting them since they're not being educated in the education system anymore. You have to get them before they have real world experience and understand. get that first check and like, where the hell did the money go? What am I getting for this? A measure of the importance of Team Biden is placing on its digital strategy. Bob Flattery, who leads the effort, has been named assistant to the president, the same rank as White House communications director and press secretary. Now, there is a clear violation of the Hatch Act, which forbids federal government employees from engaging in political, clearly political activities, campaign activities whilst on the job. That's why I, as a Senate press secretary, had to physically go to another building off-site to listen to a conference call about Conrad Burns' campaign in 2006. But who's going to hold the Democrats accountable here? Kellyanne Conway made a couple of statements from the White House podium, and the left immediately filed complaint after complaint after complaint for violating the Hatch Act against her.
there will be no such media outcry about this, having somebody on staff doing political activity. Why? Because they're on the same team. So if your kids are on TikTok or have the Chicom app on their phones, not only are they going to be inundated with the trans stuff, they're going to be inundated with Democrat stuff too. It's what's coming next. Now, if the Chinese communists want this and the Democrats want this, there must be a reason for it, right? That's why this stuff needs to be banned. There really isn't anybody out there, even some of the people who work for these companies, who will tell you, you know what, TikTok is a it's a positive influence on teens, particularly young girls. Boy, howdy. There's nothing that will give uh, young girls the, you know, positive body images like tick. No, it, it's the exact opposite. Everybody knows it. But Democrats can use it to their advantage, so it's okay. They just sweep all that. They'll tell you, oh, my God, we've got all these problems, and the teen girls are looking at a, uh, they've all, 22% or whatever it was, contemplated suicide at some point, and this is a national tragedy. And that's largely because of social media. It's largely because of these these apps and them t- these apps telling you your life sucks. Your life sucks. You're not as pretty as these people are. You're not as smart. You're not as rich. You're not. What do you do when you travel with your family? What do you do? You drive somewhere? What a loser! Why don't you have a private jet? And it, all that leads to horrible, horrible self images, and uh, is driving people into depression. And instead of even just warning, hey, you know what, parents, you should parent, you should really be aware of what your kids are doing online, and maybe you, maybe you wait until 18 before you have this sort of stuff on there. No, the Democratic Party in the White House, in official capacity, is going, you know what, we're going to appoint somebody to have the job of reaching out to the people who are. We're going to get really, really hot chicks to come in there, ones that already make all your daughters feel bad. And we're going to do this. And we're going to have all the trannies in the world who are confusing your kids, insisting, you know, those weird feelings that you have are not because it's a weird time in your life. It's because you're probably trapped in the wrong body. And we're going to then, in between those, we're going to say, hey, Democrats, you should vote for Democrats because you never know. You're probably going to want an abortion at some point in your life because why not? Who could remember to practice safe sex? Am I right? So let's just keep it and vote for Democrats. And you go, that doesn't seem particularly counterproductive if you're using a communications method that is harming children. Then you have to realize they don't care about harming children. They only care about their own power. There are other things going on I want to talk about as well. Where should we go next? Now let's let's talk about the... uh, court ruling out of Texas. This has gotten the left. My God, I've never seen. There are uh, brothel owners who are not all that interested in in not not this obsessed with abortion. I, I don't understand the left's obsession with abortion, except for if you look at it from what they try to do, which is absolve anybody of consequences for their actions. Right? And that's the way I describe them, they are like the Pope. They just bless everybody and all your sins are washed away and all your consequences are washed away. 
don't worry about it. We'll take care of you. Yeah, you know, you, you did this, that, and the other thing, but don't worry. Wasn't your fault. We'll take care of it. Now, it's only on certain things, certain things that they like, and they love nothing more than abortion. They just love it. And you have to sit there and you really have to wonder, who the hell could love abortion this much? Who could really seriously be like the biggest aphrodisiac seemingly at a Democratic National Committee is abortion, Like, uh, I guess. But you have to look at it from how much money, the hundreds of millions of dollars that the Democratic Party gets from the abortion lobby, from Planned Parenthood in particular. They shovel money to Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood shovels money back to them. It's a it's an unambiguous quid pro quo. It really truly is. It's you know they're they're paying Democrats are financing their own campaigns with our tax money, and it's all perfectly legal, all perfectly legal. It's a scam. Shouldn't be illegal. People should really go to jail for it, but they they get away with it because who's going to enforce this? So when a judge in now for this to work, since Planned Parenthood's only service provided is handing out either birth control pills, or at least they used to do that, or giving uh, having abortions, they don't do. They say, well, we're out there, we're doing cancer. They do no cancer screenings. They do no cancer screenings whatsoever. They don't do any mammograms. They don't do anything else. They just provide abortions, period, as far as the procedures that they do. They do referrals. Hey, I feel a lump in my breast. Okay, well, go see a doctor. Oh, there you go. Wow, that's worth $200 million in taxpayer money, isn't it? So it is... Of course, the industry that is dependent upon government. See, people will promise to pay you Tuesday for an abortion today, whereas the government will just pay you. So Planned Parenthood definitely wants them. So you're sitting there and you're going, what is this federal ruling? What is this? What is the deal with this? There's a drug called... Mifsaprist, I don't know, Pristone, I'm going to butcher that name, it doesn't even matter, it's an abortion pill, okay? That coupled with another thing will cause your body to have a, a miscarriage, a spontaneous miscarriage or prevent a, a, an egg, a fertilized egg from implanting in the womb, whatever it is, it ends a pregnancy, okay? It is just one of a couple of abortion pills, but this one was rushed through the approval process for political reasons by Democrats. And it was in violation of the law, of federal law, of federal regulations. It's just that simple. Now, when you have Democrats, and let's be honest, when you have Democrats who run around during the Biden administration and sued literally over everything they could possibly come up with to stop every executive order. Part of the argument that they made, the left made back then, was what? The Trump administration violated rules and laws that 
are in place, regulations, procedures. They rushed this. They did not file. There's supposed to be public comment. They did not wait long enough for public comment, etc., etc., etc. Now, that very same thing that they tried to pull in the Trump administration is being used against them, and they hate it. They cannot stand it. Politico's reporting that the judge, Kismark, whatever, wrote in his ruling, quote, Simply put, the FDA, FDA, Food and Drug Administration, stonewalled judicial review until now. Before plaintiffs filed the case, FDA ignored their petition for over 16 years, even though the law requires an agency response within 180 days of the receipt of a petition. Had FDA responded to plaintiff's petition within the 360 total days allotted, this case would have been in federal court decades earlier. Instead, the FDA postponed and procrastinated for nearly 6,000 days. And you begin to see, because you're sitting there going, well, if this drug was approved during the Clinton administration, why is it? This is why. It was a political decision they did not want any oversight of. Okay, maybe it works, maybe there's nothing wrong with it, whatever, but there are procedures. And this is, it's a technical case, but technicalities matter, do they not? Murderers get away with it on technicalities. People get released on technicalities all the time. Cases are dismissed on technicalities regularly. Technicalities matter because technicalities are the law. You don't have to like the law. But you do have to follow the law, even if you're a federal agency. So the federal court did what Democrats implored the federal court to do during the Trump administration. They put a nationwide injunction on this, starting in seven days, starting in a few days from now. It will likely be blocked or overturned somewhere else by some other judge, whatever. The Democrat, it was weird. Remember, Trump signs an executive order saying, all right, we're going to ban entry to the United States from, from five countries because we can't trust the vetting that their governments do. We can't trust the information that their governments give us about the citizenry that they're sending over here. So we're going to just we're going to suspend temporarily until we find out what the hell is going on. And it was what it was. It was billed as a Muslim ban. Why? It's the Muslim ban, the Trump Muslim ban, even though one of the countries was North Korea, not particularly a Muslim country. One of the other countries was uh, I think it was uh, Venezuela. Again, not a, a Muslim country, but it didn't really matter. The truth didn't matter. The left immediately swooped in and went to court and got injunctions against that order going into place. They celebrated it. Remember remember all the idiots in the first couple of weeks of the Trump administration? They'd run out to the airport. We must go to the airport. We will welcome anybody who is who looks remotely Muslim. Getting off a plane, doesn't matter if they're an American citizen. Doesn't, we'll hug them. We're, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. Like, okay, that's not at all what this was about. But uh, okay, you can go and accost people, I suppose, if they want to be hugged by unshowered lunatics everybody has their own kink but that's what they were doing they went to the airports like three or four different times remember that three or four different times they're out at the airport and they got their pre-printed signs oh yeah no no justice no peace no justice for what i don't know 
I don't know. I don't think for myself, so don't ask me questions. They were overjoyed at the nationwide injunctions that were imposed on the Trump administration by liberal judges, usually out of the west coast of the United States. They came out of Seattle. They came out of California. They came out of Hawaii. They loved it. Now suddenly, a nationwide injunction comes out of a red area and the entire judicial system and the validity of the judicial system has to be called into question. It must be called into question. In fact, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, noted legal scholar, because I assume she used to make martinis for lawyers. She's out there on television over the weekend talking about ah, the courts don't have the authority over the FDA as as if there's some aspect of the federal government that is not subject to judicial review. I mean, this is this is beyond stupid. You want to talk about the dangers of TikTok. She is the personification of people who get their education from TikTok. Listeners say that the courts have no authority here. But I do not believe that the courts have the authority to to have the authority over the FDA that they just asserted. And I do believe that it creates a crisis. Based on what? Where do you where do you come to this conclusion? I do not believe they have this authority. Now, you were one of the morons running out to the airport. Going, oh, yeah, let's do this. You were you made a special trip down to Florida to cry outside of a detention center for illegal aliens. Oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. And then when the cameras stopped taking pictures, immediately your tears dried up. It was so bizarre how that worked. But now you're a noted legal scholar who says that we don't think, I don't think that they have the authority over the FDA. They absolutely do have authority over the FDA. Every part of the federal government is subjected to judicial review by the federal judiciary. That's kind of why the damn thing exists, a big chunk of it anyway. Meanwhile, she then went on to say, that the government, the Biden administration should just ignore it. Just ignore it. Hey, here's an idea. Let's just ignore this court ruling. Pretend it didn't happen. Now, this would be an impeachable offense, and she would be leading the charge if the Trump administration looked at what the, uh, the courts had ruled and said, yeah, we don't care. Okay? If they had treated it the way Democrat Andrew Jackson had. Andrew Jackson was looking to relocate a whole bunch of Indians from the South, from the Carolinas. Wanted that land. There was good stuff discovered on that land, so he started marching the Indians westward. Come on, we're going to give you a land out here uh, on the other side of the Mississippi. Just get out. Get out, get out, get out. And they sued. They said this is a violation of previous agreements with the federal government. This is a violation of our rights, etc., etc. They ultimately won. They ultimately won that court case, and Andrew Jackson looked at the Supreme Court ruling and said, meh, let the Supreme Court enforce it. And he didn't, he ignored it. Now, he's a Democrat, racist, of course, and he didn't care. Democrats didn't care. He was their guy. There was no Republican Party at the time, and there was no real precedent to understand the damage that this was doing. This was actually totalitarian, what Andrew Jackson did. But Democrats didn't care. Democrats up until recently 
used to hold the annual Jefferson Jackson Day dinners in all 50 states. All 50 states celebrate two Democrats, two of the first Democrats as president, Jefferson and Jackson, who they now decry slave owners, horrible, horrible, horrible. So they stopped having them uh, as honorees for those dinners, but only after they'd accused everybody else of being horrible people who celebrate racists. Did they seem to recognize their own foibles? But there is precedence for ignoring the Supreme Court or the federal courts in general. It's an impeachable offense, unquestioningly. Your job is to faithfully execute the laws of the United States. The courts determine whether or not those laws are constitutional. You can dislike them all you want, but for 30... Imagine the federal government run by Republicans just simply said over the course of the last 50 years, we're going to ignore... We're going to criminalize abortion. We're going to prosecute people for abortion. We're going to put people away for abortion is murder. Yeah, the Supreme Court said Roe v. Wade, but we don't care. The left would have burned the place down. If some Republican president said, you know what, I don't really like the inheritance tax, or I think tax rates are too high, we're I'm just going to, we're not going to enforce what they are now. The Democrats would have burned the place down. They would have gotten court injunctions saying you can't do that. The law is the law. And they said, that's neat. We're going to ignore it. They would have burned the place down. AOC is saying they should ignore the court's ruling. When you've heard the news this afternoon, a couple hours ago, what did you think? Well, you know, I think um, rulings like this, and I think we've seen from the FDA and, and also from activity in Congress that some of these rulings there, I think we've been preparing and anticipating for there being these egregious overreaches um, by members of the judiciary appointed by a right wing Republican Party, uh, whose goal for a very long time was to just pack these courts with partisan judges, often uh, often underqualified or completely unqualified for the for their role. And so. There has been thought, I believe, given to this. Senator Ron Wyden has already issued statements, uh, for example, advising what we should do in a situation like this, which I concur, which is that I believe that the Biden administration should ignore uh, this ruling. I think that we, you know, the courts have the legitimacy and they rely on the legitimacy of their rulings. And what they are currently doing is engaged in an unprecedented and dramatic erosion of the legitimacy of the courts. They, it, it is the justices themselves through the deeply partisan and unfounded nature of these rulings that are undermining their own enforcement. Now that's one of the dumbest things you'll ever hear a politician say. It's not, and it, for putting aside the idea of, well, they should just ignore the courts, the way she says it, the word salad that she just tossed there, a person with a room temperature IQ could have said that in about two or three sentences, about 10 seconds, 15 maybe at the most. But she doesn't have that. She's a very dumb person. So what do dumb people do? They tend to be more verbose. They say lots of things that don't actually advance 
the point they're making, their little caveats, their aside parentheticals that they throw in there so as to forget or hope the person listening forgets that they are just uh, making it up as they go. They don't really have a good answer. Anderson Cooper is, of course, sitting there, Anderson Vanderbilt, sitting there going, oh, okay, well, he's smarter than this, but he's also on the team. He's career smarter than this, and he knows not to point this out. But AOC wasn't done. AOC is never done. She will talk forever and say nothing. Before we play the next AOC clip, I just want to reiterate that she can talk forever and not say anything. I got the CNN transcript right here. This was the answer that she gave to uh, what do you think? Well, you know, I think rulings like this, and I think we've seen the FDA and also from activity in Congress that some of these rulings, I think we've been preparing and anticipating for there being these egregious overreaches by members of the judiciary appointed by a right-wing Republican party whose goal for a very long time was to just pack these courts with partisan judges often underqualified or completely unqualified for their for the for their role also there has been thought i believe given to this this is still the same quote senator ron wyden has already issued statements for example advising that we what we should do in situations like this which i concur which is that I believe the Biden administration should ignore this ruling. I think that we, if uh, you know, the courts have the legitimacy and they rely on the legitimacy of their rulings, and what they are currently doing is engaged in unprecedented and dramatic erosion of the legitimacy of the courts. It is the justices themselves, though the through the deeply partisan and unfolding nature of these rulings, that are undermining their own enforcement. End quote. That's our answer to what do you think of this ruling? <laughs> okay. Now, did she say anything in there? No, she she has a, a concurrence with Wyden. She agrees with him that blah, 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 blah. They should be doing X, Y, and Z. And you're just like, what are you, are you, what the hell does any of this mean? This is a word salad vomited up by a moron. And she's a member of Congress. Oh, but she wasn't done. She wasn't, she wasn't even close to done. You thought she couldn't get any dumber than what she just said. She can. She does. So you're saying the Biden administration should ignore this court, but what does that look like? What does that actually mean? You know, I think the interesting thing when it comes to a ruling is that it relies on enforcement and it is up to the Biden administration to enforce, to choose whether or not to enforce such a ruling. But is that, do we want to live in a world where the a government can decide to ignore a federal well, court Well, no, ruling? of course. I mean, I, I do think that this that it raises it a these important questions. And I do think that when we look at, and there are uh, serious questions that the FDA and, and the Biden administration is going to have to figure out and how exactly we map this out. But on the other hand, what we are also seeing is it is a power grab over our courts in which the laws passed by Congress and the rules and, and policies passed by the executive branch now are going to require unanimous consent from 650 
district court judges, many of which are appointed uh, with even, you know, the American Bar Association saying that they're completely unfit for the role. <laughs> Again, it was in other words, hell, that really doesn't make any sense. What the hell is she talking about? So you think they should ignore it? What exactly does that mean they should ignore it? You know, I think the interesting thing when it comes to a ruling is that it relies on enforcement. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> that's that's actually don't tell anybody, but that's the exact job of the president of the United States. Right. Enforcement. They're not supposed to make stuff up. They're supposed to enforce what the legislature makes up. Right. Then they can approve or disapprove the legislation as it is being introduced. But once it becomes law, you don't really get a say in the matter as president of the United States. But ever since the Obama administration, the president of the United States has gone from the enforcer, the executive, the chief of state to a dictator to one degree or another where you can they can, with the stroke of a pen, create laws. They can magically ignore laws. It was the Biden administration who, think of it what you will, it doesn't really matter, it was the law of the land at the time, said that they would not enforce nor would they defend in court the Defense of Marriage Act. Well, the Defense of Marriage Act, whatever you think of it, was the law of the land. There was no repeal legislation passed by Congress and signed by the president, but the Defense of Marriage Act was passed by Congress and signed by a previous president. They just simply ignored it. Even when the courts were saying somebody needs to, it was the private sector that stood up and defended it. They ultimately lost in the courts, but it was the job constitutionally of the executive branch to enforce the laws, whether it, the, the Constitution doesn't have a caveat, but you have to enforce the laws, unless you don't like the laws. If you really don't like the laws, then it's all good. You can go ahead and uh, poo-poo the whole thing. That's not how our government works. Otherwise, every administration could just wipe clean the slate and go, well, yeah, you know, all those uh, major league accomplishments by the previous administration, don't really care. They're now no longer law of the land. I have a mandate. The people have spoken. I do not have to enforce these things. Well, then we don't need a legislative branch. If the president can just create laws out of whole cloth and then look at previous laws and go, I'm not going to enforce those, but I'll enforce these. That doesn't even, then you don't even need a judiciary, to be honest with you. You just need a strong, centralized leader. You could call it, I don't know, a Fuhrer, if you will. It seems to be what Democrats want anyway. Ideologically, they're down with the cause. Why not just go ahead and call it what it is? That's what they're doing. That's what they're pushing. That's who these people are. If you keep going down this yellow brick road with Dorothy and the gang, that's where it ends up. It ends up with the Reichstag burning in Berlin, and you end up in the Butcher's Garden with your buddy Adolf and his pal Benito. That's what we're looking at here. You don't like a ruling by the court. Instead of simply criticizing it, you actively pursue 
and advocate for the thwarting of it. Now, remember, these people do what? They constantly go, oh, so many breaking of the norms. Oh, the norms, every normal part of society, all the, my norms, my norms. You think it was a Cheers episode on repeat. Everybody's screaming about norms all the time. But they don't care about the norms. They don't care about the damage. They care about the end results. The ends justify the means. And it doesn't matter which rights they have to trample, which norms they have to destroy, or quite frankly, ultimately where this goes. It's how many people they have to kill. They don't care about that either. They will get their will. It was a great Babylon Bee headline that is only, uh, it's prophetic, sadly. Democrats vow to kill and jail as many of their political opponents as possible in order to stop the advancing of fascism. Yeah, that's not how it works. Now, it's not just AOC, because you heard Anderson Cooper. There was no serious question. There's no follow-up. There is no, hey, wait the hell are you talking about? This is problematic. He was on board with it. What does that look like? He said, how do we go about this? How do we make sure that it doesn't? He's got his uh, family fortune. He doesn't have to worry about the collapse of the country. He's got a helicopter on standby, probably on the roof of his building. They'll take him to the Vanderbilt private jet to take him to the Vanderbilt private island or wherever it is that a Vanderbilt will be safe. You and I, on the other hand, we've got... uh, We've got to fend for ourselves. The rulings and the decrees from these morons impact our lives, not theirs. Chuck Todd talked about this on Meet the Press, the abortion pills ruling. Now keep in mind, Chuck Todd's wife is a highly paid Democratic consultant, Democratic Party consultant. Just keep in mind that. Just for just for gits and shiggles. Keep that in mind as you listen to this. So you're saying the Biden administration should ignore this court, but what does that look like? What does that actually mean? You know, I think the interesting thing when it comes to a ruling is that it relies on enforcement. And it is up to the Biden administration to enforce, to choose whether or not to enforce such a ruling. But is that, do we want to live in a world where the a government can decide to ignore a federal well, court Well, no, ruling? of course. I mean, I, I do think that this that it raises it a these important questions. And I do think that when we look at, and there are uh, serious questions that the FDA and, and the Biden administration is going to have to figure out and how exactly we map this out. But on the other hand, what we are also seeing is it is a power grab over our courts in which the laws passed by Congress and the rules and, and policies passed by the executive branch now are going to require unanimous consent from 650 district court judges, many of which are appointed uh, with even, you know, the American Bar Association saying that they're completely unfit for the role. Chuck is very, very upset that any court would do this. On the other stuff, he was down with it. He was absolutely sexually aroused at the prospect of it. He loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. But on this one, oh, there wasn't even a case. There was active, well, there wasn't a case of anything when the uh, so-called Muslim ban was enjoined, was there? Never had a chance to go into effect. They stopped it before it went into effect. Now, how can you claim harm from something that hasn't happened yet? Usually, in order to gain standing, you have to have shown 
harm. Find somebody who was harmed. But if you're a Democrat, nope. Chuck Todd doesn't explain that. He doesn't care. But just for fun, the Media Research Center, God love them. They put together a little background on, on Chuck Todd back in 2016, and it's worth revisiting. The, head, the headline of it is NBC Chuck Todd, Hyde wife, Wife's Cane Donation and her firm getting millions from Bernie campaign. Now, this is from 2016. We can only imagine the amount of money that has exchanged hands since this. NBC's Meet the Press host Chuck Todd has a wife who's active in Democratic Party strategic communications and sometimes donates to Democrats. Now, they pool their money. Chuck makes a good living. Wife makes a good living. In 2016, Christian, uh, Christina, Christian, I think it's Christian, Denny Todd contributed $2,500 to Senator Tim Kaine. Todd never felt any need to disclose this during his three recent Kaine interviews on NBC, August 7th, September 18th, and October 23rd. That is the maximum amount allowed by law at the time, by the way. But Maverick Mail and Strategies, the firm Miss Todd founded in 2007 with fellow James Webb aides Stephen Jarding and Jessica Vandenberg, did heavy lifting for openly socialist Bernie Sanders' presidential run this year. Open Secrets shows a bill for $1.992 million made in 10 payments to Maverick from January to April. January to April. Now that's not even $2 million a year. That's over January, February, March, April. That's four months. So you can quadruple that and you will get what? Or triple that and you will get $6 million is what they were on pace to make at Bernie. Done all right. Now, you don't get that kind of money from Bernie just once, from any political campaign just once. I bet they were involved in the 2020 campaign as well. Say, Todd never disclosed this business relationship in 11 Sanders interviews this year. If the work began in 2015 before the payments, Todd failed to disclose any ties in six Sanders interviews in the second half of 2015. He didn't even count any Chuck Todd interviews with Sanders over on MSNBC back when Chuck Todd was on there. Now, this is how the Democratic establishment works. They are so ingrained, it is so normal, and there are no standards any longer that it simply doesn't matter. You can have a pro-abortion activist whose wife makes literally millions of dollars from Bernie Sanders and other Democrats. This is just one client. They do not exist to service one client. They make millions and millions of dollars for strategic communications. And you can have Chuck sitting there ignoring the whole thing and never even telling the audience that, hey, you could even say, it doesn't matter to me. This does not change my beliefs, and I wouldn't say this anyway, but you should know so you can have that bit of knowledge. Chuck Todd doesn't do that. It's the appearance of impropriety that used to bother journalists. Now it doesn't. Now it doesn't at all. Uh, so that brings us to Chuck Todd again, talking about the Tennessee expulsion of two lawmakers for violating House rules. Now they'll be back 
They'll both be reelected. Why? Because the Democratic establishment embraces them. The Democratic establishment is lying about what they did. They were just protesting. They were vocalizing their disgust and they were calling for gun violence reform or something. Gun reform. You got to love the way they, they butcher the language. It's gun, they want gun reform. Gun, they don't want gun reform. They want guns banned. But they don't ever mention that this was a clear violation of the rules of the Tennessee legislature and that they were warned unambiguously ahead of time not to do this. They don't talk about an insurrection of protesters and the left-wing mob storming the Capitol building and disrupting the legislative session, the legislative process, which is what we were told was worse than 9-11 on January 6th, right? It was Worse than it was the worst thing that it's not bad when it happens when Republicans are in charge, though. It's actually a good thing. They'll probably give college credit to anybody who was arrested or cited here. These Democrats will. Well, listen to how Chuck Todd explains this situation. But the political divide of the judiciary, which looks very undemocratic these days, is also getting worse on the state level. On Thursday night, in a scene that had echoes of the ugly politics of the 60s, Southern lawmakers in Tennessee did something unprecedented. They expelled two black Democratic legislators for taking a gun violence protest over the recent Nashville school shooting to the House floor itself. It was a violation of House rules. But a third legislator, Gloria Johnson, who was white, survived the expulsion vote. Let's be honest, 30 years of aggressive gerrymandering have likely brought us to this moment. In Tennessee, Trump won over 60% of the vote, but Republicans make up more than 75% of the state house. Half of those Republicans didn't face any opposition in 2022, not even from their own party. The Tennessee legislature has also changed the rules on the House floor that essentially stifles and limits dissent. Until this week, only two lawmakers in Tennessee had been expelled from the House of Representatives since the 19th century. One for allegations of sexual misconduct, and a second was because somebody was convicted of soliciting a bribe. <laughs> How many Democratic talking points can you pack into one opening monologue? It turns out all of them. Shove them all in there. It doesn't matter. Uh, the Southern, you've got to emphasize Southern. You've got to emphasize that the two guys were black and they're dealing with Southern and it's unprecedented, except for that it's not pre- unprecedented when you go ahead and cite other precedents. It's nearly unprecedented okay did you point out that it it was against the law or against the rules you you did but but they were doing it to protest gun violence no they weren't they were doing it to overwhelmingly try to impose their will on a majority of the public who doesn't want it oh it's gerrymandering it's gerrymandering this it's gerrymandering how do you figure that well, because Republicans didn't face legislative opposition. And, okay, well, now do California, Chuck. Which way do you think it flows in California? No, it's, well, it's gerrymandering, okay? Well, Republicans get an overwhelming number percentage of the vote in Tennessee, so it would stand to reason that most people would vote Republican, therefore there'd be more Republicans. But I promise you, if you want to get rid of gerrymandering, what could you do? You could just say, all right, we're going to break the state up into grids. And without regard to the population there, 
and what they look like or how they vote. We're just going to do blind grids. We're going to let a computer decide it, and it's going to not factor in at all anything else that Democrats care desperately about. What do you think would happen then? They would throw an absolute fit. Why? Because the Democratic gerrymandered districts, yes, there are Democratic gerrymandered districts as well, would, if you'd have to compete on merit and not compete on identity politics, might not give the result that the Democrats want. Might not. You never know. See, it's different. Chuck Todd has never done a monologue about the gerrymandering in Maryland. Chuck Todd will never do a monologue about the gerrymandering in Maryland. He'll never do a monologue about the gerrymandering in California. He won't do it. He doesn't care. There's no money in it for him or his wife. But Tennessee, well, it's a southern state. They're expelling black men. They'll be back. This will ultimately be nothing more than a slap on the wrist. But Democrats want to pretend that it is somehow a cross-burning. Because they're making money off of it. They're making money off of it big time. There was no push to bar them from seeking and regaining those seats. They violated the laws. They should have. If there was anything wrong with it, they should have tossed out the white lady, too. They'd all be back. But instead, Democrats are making them into martyrs. Why? Because it's martyrs for their cause. In Chuck Todd's case, it's the cause that puts another car in the garage. Hell, it puts another garage on the house. A lot of money in it for all of these people. And, and uh, while we're talking about these leftists and whatever, what if, you know what? Before we get into Gavin, the hairdo, Gavin Newsom, I got to play you this clip from the Dalai Lama. This is making the rounds today. I woke up this morning and there's a video of a Dalai Lama from a couple of years ago. And I'm like, what is this? And I started to watch it. And it's one of those videos where you just go, no, what? No. It's awkward. Now, I am not a follower of the Dalai Lama. I don't even know really what religion follows the Dalai Lama. I don't care. But he is, I understand that the Lama is the personification of God here on earth, according to those who believe. And if you have somebody raised from an early age and living a life with that as its core, you're going to get, it's going to get weird. Right, it's going to get. It's like you're an actor, you're a musician. Think about a musician. You ever heard of a musician who was like perfectly well adjusted? If you if you reach fame as a rock and roll musician in your late teens, early twenties, and it sticks around forever, or even just for a while, your worldview is polluted forever. Whereas if you get success in life later on your late 20s to 30s, you're, you're probably much better off. You'll still get a perverted worldview, but you'll feel a little awkward about it. Nobody will tell you no. Nobody will tell you anywhere close to no under those circumstances. Well, the longer you have no one telling you no, and from a younger age, the more polluted your worldview becomes. And that brings us to the the Lama. He's a big hitter, the Lama. <laughs> but... Um, there's this video clip of him kissing a young boy or a young boy kissing him, whatever. You know, he's, if you subscribe to that religion, if you meet the Pope, you kiss his ring. It, whatever the tradition there is, is one thing. But then 
in front of a large group of people, Dalai Lama says to the boy to to suck his tongue. I not um, yeah. Here's the actual audio of it. It's it's a little gross. And suck my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, that's a little weird. That's very weird, right? Very, very bizarre. Well, I don't know why this came up now, why this video surfaced now. Like I say, it's a couple years old, I believe. Maybe it, was, no, maybe it wasn't that old. But the Dalai Lama is being accused of sexually assaulting a, an extremely young boy. The kid's maybe, maybe seven. But it is not brand new video. And the Dalai Lama has released a statement. It says, the video clip has been circulating that shows a recent meeting with a young boy uh, when a young boy asked His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, if he could give him a hug. His Holiness wishes to apologize to the boy and his family, as well as his many friends across the world, for the hurt his words may have caused. His Holiness often teases people he meets in an innocent and playful way, even in public and before cameras. He regrets the incident. It's kind of gross. It's really disturbing, actually. And why this, I mean, it's just messed up. It's just messed up. So you sit there and you know people who, I don't understand this obsession with the Dalai Lama. Like, oh, the Dalai Lama is so wonderful. Oh, the Dalai Lama is this, the Dalai Lama... Dalai Lama is just a guy who leads a life. And Christopher Hitchens wrote extensively about the Dalai Lama and the problems with the Dalai Lama. Christopher Hitchens wrote extensively about a lot of people and a lot of things that are like sacred cows. But he's treated like a god here on earth. And uh, it's a little bit darker than that. I don't have the details in front of me right now but i recommend if you're at all interested that you go and you maybe look this one up and see what the hell is going on another thing you might want to look up and see what the hell is going on remember the bud light controversy bud light engaging the woman face activist woman faced profiteer dylan mulvaney Oh, I wear a dress, and he makes a million dollars a year because he pretends to be a woman when he is not a woman. It's weird. Dylan Mulvaney has all the money in the world that he would need if he were to go through and have the full surgery, the full Monty, if you will. And if he really, truly is a woman, in his heart of hearts, wouldn't he do that? But he's not doing that. It's weird. I am a woman, but I don't want in any way, shape, or form to even get breast implants. Maybe the uh, the conviction with which this person professes to be something they decidedly are not should be looked at with a little bit of skepticism if they do that. But anyway, they hired a trans activist, a woman-faced profiteer, to be the face of Bud Light, to be one of the brand ambassadors. You thought, this is a really bad decision. What kind of a moron signs off on this? Well, we now have the answer. We now have the answer for what kind of moron signs off on this. The moron's name is Alyssa, Alyssa Heinerscheid. Alyssa Heinerscheid. I'm probably butchering that. It doesn't matter. But video 
of Alyssa Heinerscheid has come out of her explaining why it is that she thought that the official beer of pretty much every professional sports league out there would decide to not only go with a woman-faced trans activist, but somebody who, in their video, talking about how they love this beer because they're giving them money, professed to know literally nothing about sports. And surprisingly, the answer wasn't what we really wanted to do with this ad campaign was urinate in the breakfast cereal of everybody who uses our product. That's the end result. But it wasn't the profession of this person, the professed reason for it. Listen to uh, Alicia Hersfeld. And keep in mind, when she says the word frat boy, fratty image, that really gets to the bottom of it and probably tells you a lot about her upbringing and how joyless and woke she now is. This is Bud Light's vice president of marketing. I'm a businesswoman. Mm -hmm. I had a really clear job to do when I took over Bud Light. And it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like, we Mm -hmm. need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my what I brought to that was a belief in okay what is what do what does evolve and elevate mean it means inclusivity it means shifting the tone it means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men mm-hmm. and representation is at sort of the heart of evolution you got to see people who reflect you in the work and we had this hangover I mean. Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor. And it was really important (laughs) that we had another approach. Yeah, that fratty, gross, out of touch humor, yucky. The, you know, the people who drank our bathwater. The brand was really on decline. And by what unit of measure? Why, in the unit of measure of the esteem with which it is held by leftist progressives. That's it. (laughs) But, oh, I had to remake it. Oh, okay. Well, why? Well, because, you know what? The people who don't drink our beer are talking negatively about our beer. Oh, we wouldn't want that. What are you going to propose to do about that? What I'm going to do is I'm going to give Dylan Mulvaney 100,000 bucks to tuck it back real far this time to swirl around in a bathtub and uh, take a sip of beer without trying to look like he's about to vomit from having tasted Bud Light for the first time and beer in general for the first time. And uh, talk about how he doesn't know anything about sports. March Madness is just people going crazy. And uh, yeah, that'll, I don't know what, what more, what broader appeal could we possibly get than to an audience who are never going to drink us, who view us as fratty. Well, when you put a person in charge of a brand that looks at the audience for that brand with contempt, what the hell do you expect to happen? There's been a lot of blowback. But no, she doesn't care. Bud Light hired her. Budweiser hired her. They knew what they were getting. They knew what they were getting. Somebody along the lines clearly wanted this to one degree or another. Now, if I were a stockholder of Anheuser-Busch, 
I would look at this ad campaign, this marketing campaign, and the employment, the continued employment of Alyssa Hershneider as a clear dereliction of their fiduciary duty to the shareholders. I am not a shareholder, so it doesn't impact my life at all. It, I am a Bud, White, Bud Light owner because I have some Bud Light in the garage, but it will not be replenished. It'll be replaced by something else. I don't know what yet, but I've got enough Bud Light out there to last for a while, considering I don't really drink beer all that often. But when it is replenished, it will be replaced with something else. It's that simple. So, yeah, it had nothing to do with, I I don't even know, is the Bud Light uh, thought of as fratty? I don't think so. But this is the way corporate America views things. This is the way corporate woke America views you. You, meaning not a conservative, but a normal human being, is you're the problem. We need to market past you. The future is trans, and therefore we must embrace it. It's more celebrate diversity. I mean, pretty soon, if they could get them, they'd employ the Dalai Lama. They'd make the Dalai Lama the spokesman for Bud Light. For all of your seven-year-old getting your tongue-sucked needs, Bud Light. Why, why not? Celebrate diversity or something, right? God, these people are gross. Lastly, I just want to play you this clip really quickly of the hairdo, Gavin Newsom, talking to Ginger Goebbels. She goes, this is supposedly a news interview by a news organization over at MSNBC. Ginger Goebbels talking to the hairdo. It is about guns and Florida for some reason. Why? Because... Everybody seems to be obsessed with Ron DeSantis. It's really, a, it's a little creepy. I might consider getting a restraining order if I were DeSantis. There was a pretty startling split screen. You had a thousand kids oh, in yeah. Nashville out there protesting the lack of action on gun uh, reform measures. Mm -hmm. Well, you had Governor DeSantis signing a yeah. bill on permitless carry so, behind closed doors. Yeah, what did you make of death, that? Scared to death. Who is he scared of? Scared of the people. Scared the of the people public. in Florida? Yeah, that overwhelmingly oppose that position. But <laughs> I think the majority of NRA members, you know, probably oppose that position. No background checks? No ba no background? None? Really? I mean, no tra no training? Why, why would we do that with weapons of war? Which is what permitless carry means. That, that's extreme in the extreme. That's what's happened. That's extreme in the extreme. Ron DeSantis is scared. How he, so he's allowing people to constitutionally carry, meaning if you can own a gun. The back, no background checks? You have to get a background check to buy a gun. But okay, okay, uh, Gavin, why would Ron DeSantis, if he's scared of the people, why would he allow them to carry? Wouldn't he try to do what you're trying to do, which is to strip them of their Second Amendment rights to begin with? If you're scared of the people, wouldn't that be the course you would take? <laughs> I'm so scared that people are going to exercise their Second Amendment rights, I'm going to fully embrace the Second Amendment. No, he would if he were scared, like you Democrats are, he would try to strip them of it, leaving only criminals with guns, which, you know, is what you guys do. How's that working out for you, Gavin? Anyway, I just, I thought, what an idiot. But he's got a nice head of hair. We're out of time for today. Appreciate you listening, man. 
We can start a beautiful one. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.